Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. So, we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And what I want to do first is, if uh, you could put the scriptures up, Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. What I want to do first is first read the passage we're going to study or go over, and then we can dig in and get the nuggets that God has for us, okay? So... Is every, everyone has their Bible? If you don't, it's going to be on the screen. Uh, I usually just, you know, put it on my phone. I'm so used to that because we're so spoiled, right? We have technology, God's word at our fingertips, and we don't take advantage of it. So, but let's go over Ephesians chapter 2 and we'll read it. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of who now works in the sons of disobedience. Next verses. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Just as the others, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, for by grace, church say that with me, for by grace, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. Is that rich or what? And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we, his people, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love Ephesians 2. I love the book of Ephesians, right? It's one of those books, you know, when you, when I got saved, you come in with a bunch of baggage, you know, I got saved January of 2000, we just had moved, and I always say this when I teach, so bear with me, because it's pretty awesome how God works. So January of 2000, we moved to California. A friend of mine, which I went to, uh, you know, Sunday school, a real good friend of ours, which I grew up with, he invited me to this church called New Venture Fellowship. So we go to this church. It's a, it's a big church. It's about probably by then it was about, I don't know, 3,000 people in there. So he invited me to church. I go there, and 
I don't remember what the message was, but beforehand, God had prepared me, coming at me in different situations, preparing me for that day to come back to him. Because before then, I thought I knew Jesus. I thought I grew up, you know, as, uh, you know, my dad, my parents always allowed us, you know, to go to church. That's what that's what island people do. That's what the Samoan culture is around. It's their faith and family. That's like the most important thing. And so you grow up like that, and then you, you know, you know it. But knowing and having it known in your heart are two different things, right? And so he invited us, and we go, and it's, I don't remember the message. I don't, all I know is God used that day. Say, but wretched man like me. It's so emotional. And then you walk through life, you've experienced God's grace and love. You walk through life, and now. I'm 50 years old, been walking with God. He's grown me up. Then like the Ephesian church in Revelation, you kind of lost, lose that first love when you came to God, right? Like when you first came to him, you were you were lost. And then you experience his grace, his love. And now you know what true love is all about. And right away, you don't know, you don't experience everything that God has for you, but you know that you know that you know. Like, you can't argue with me that God saved me. It's like, you can try to debate me, but you don't do this, you don't do that. All that stuff. It's like you know when the Holy Spirit seals you, when the Holy Spirit saves you. It's like you know you have been bound. You have been bound. 30 years I was in the world lost I could have died and be separated from God forever so every time I tell that it's like it's my story with Jesus who loves me my story is different from your story we all have stories we all have stories but God, who is rich in mercy and his grace, for me, 30 years, 30 years he had his grace and protection on my life. And on that day, I will never, ever forget it. He gave an invitation. And it's just like, it's not the pastor. 
It's not the, the surroundings or the organization or anything that had to do, but it was God who ordained that day for me to experience his love. And sometimes we walk through life. I've been walking with God for a while and you kind of lose that love for him, right? We kind of lose it because life happens. Things happen. You walk through it in circumstances. Your life changes. Kids, you have a family and you're, and you just go on a merry way and you get deceived on certain situations because this is what we have to do, especially living here in the West. It's like there's expectations that we have to walk in. There's expectations that we have to do. We have to perform, perform, perform. But on that day in January of 2000, God said, I love you. He said, I'm going to save you. I've got a plan for you. And in your plan, and in that plan, I'm going to move you to Lubbock, Texas, which I had no idea of coming out here. There was no ocean near here. It's flat. It's windy. It's, it's crazy. And he said, I'm going to move you to Lubbock, Texas. You, a Samoan, a Pacific Islander. No, I'm not going to take you back to the islands. I'm not going to take you anywhere else. I'm not going to take you where you're comfortable. But I'm going to move you and plant you here in Lubbock, Texas. Because I have a plan. Just like he had a plan for Pastor Ben to come out here. And look where we're at. We may not have numbers, guys, but we have each other. We have a kingdom. We have a community. We have each other that we can depend on. And that's what really matters in life. So our lesson this morning, I have four points I want to make. Our lesson aims to tell us that we were dead without hope. We were dead without hope in our transgressions and sins. We are born sinners in need of a savior to pay a debt we cannot pay. Point number two, we're going to see God's mercy and love. We are going to see God's mercy and love because we are dead men walking. There's dead people walking in the city of Lubbock. Despite of all the churches, there are dead people walking in this city that needs revival and they need Jesus Christ. Number three is God's gift of grace to you and me. We're going to really break that down because I really want you to understand what I understand. God's grace saves Point number four, not only did God give us a gift of grace, of salvation to be part of his kingdom, but we are going to see that we have a gift. We have a gift, guys, our gift of good works. That gift is a result of our love for God when we realize of what he paid and did for us as sinful people. And so Calvary Chapel, we have our core values. Do you got do y'all everybody knows what they are? Or do you think you know what it is? So here's our what is it? That is the core value of Calvary Chapel. And that's from the scriptures. Love God, love people 
live radical lives. And what, when I think about radical lives, I think about missionaries. I think about people that leave here and go over there. No, a radical life means that you're a husband who is faithful, who takes care of your family, who handles responsibilities. It means that you're a wife who's submissive of how the Bible teaches what submissive is. Because submissive is a kind of a dirty word in church. But when you realize and understand what that really means, is that means husbands, we give our lives for our wives. So Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. And now we're going to break this down. This is the exciting part. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, and Paul writes, And you, he made alive. And you, who's he talking to? He's talking to the believers here that he's writing. He's reminding them, you are alive. You're no longer dead people. You're no longer people that were of the world when... God came into your life. You're new. And sometimes we as believers, we forget that we are new people. The devil could come in and put thoughts in your head and in my head and say, you are no good. You're not worthy. You've sinned. You messed up. Yes, we know we are messed up people. But God's grace saves. God's grace saves and he made us alive. In Ephesians chapter 1, just the previous chapter, I want to go back there and pull out something. This is who you are. In in, uh, Ephesians 1, 4 through 7. Just as God chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. How many of you this morning feel holy without blame before him in love? Sometimes we come into church and we feel unworthy. We don't feel like we're, we're not worthy to come to church because we've sinned this week. We messed up. We've done this, done that. We're not worthy to enter those doors. But Jesus says, yes, you are. Jesus says, I chose you before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before him in love. Not only that, he said, I predestined you. I had a plan for you that I was going to bring you into my kingdom, not because of you, but because I pursued you and ran after you and went after you. Having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Guys, really get that in your head. We are adopted children into the family of God. Everything that Jesus has, Jesus is in heaven on the right, sitting on the right side of God the Father interceding for you and me. He has ultimate authority and power throughout universe. Not here on this earth, not here on this little planet we think about that's a big planet. You look at the universe, you go out and you look at the stars, you see all them stars and you're like, man, we're really small. Or you get on a plane, you fly to somewhere, like we flew to Hawaii, and there was ocean for miles and miles, and I felt really small. How do you think God, the universe, that's his. This earth is his. His kingdom has come in you, in me. Everything belongs to God, and he's telling us who we are in him. We're adopted in Jesus 
He made us accepted, guys. You are accepted this morning, no matter what you've done this week. Right? No matter how messed up we've been this week. Know that you are love accepted. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. When you realize that, we come to a point in our lives where, man, I want to not sin because I love God so much. Because I realize the love that he has for me. He loved me. He gave me the best. The best of the best. Jesus. How is he going to give his only son for you and then uh, disregard you? When he's given you the best, the ultimate gift, his son. How are we going to react realizing what love looked like and how we're going to behave? In him also we have obtained an inheritance. There's an inheritance waiting for each one of us. Sometimes this life could be difficult, could be hard, could be struggling to pay the bills. Your kids don't listen to you. This stuff happens. That stuff happens. There is an inheritance waiting for you and I. And we're just experiencing that a little bit here on earth. Sometimes when I feel down on myself or I just feel like, man, life is hard. God. I just think about God and his love. Every one of us in this room is going to die. And we have our, the day we were born, we have the dash, and the day we are going to die, our physical bodies will die. No matter how much you try to keep up and work out, it will die. Trust me, guys, I just turned 50, and I've never experienced, like I'm telling my wife, where's my glasses at? I can't see. I can't see, I can't, my, when I get up in the morning, it just hurts, and things just, I'm like, wow, I, and that's the hope that we have. I'm like, man, God, bring me that hope, our new bodies, the hope that we have in Jesus. That's who you are, guys. If you've, if Jesus has found you, and you've accepted his gift of grace, salvation, that is who you are. That is who you are. And sometimes we as believers, we forget that. We belong to the king. Not these kingdoms down here. Not the kingdoms that have come and gone and passed away and you hear them no more. We belong to the ultimate king. The kingdom of God reigns forever and we belong to it. And then Paul says in verse 1 of Ephesians 2, he said, And you, now we know who you are, were dead in trespasses and sin. Right? We were dead in our sin and trespasses. In Romans chapter 5, I'm going to use, I like to use scripture as a pinpoint or a coming off background point because it all lines up. If you have the time this re week, read Ephesians chapter 2, go to Romans chapter 5 and read it. It's like identical, and you'll see this. So in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, we were dead. This is what Romans 5 says. 
Therefore, just as through one man, one man messed everything up for us, guys. One man, his name is Adam, right? Sin entered into the world and death through sin. And thus, death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So one man missed this whole God's perfect plan, right? He created the heavens and earth. He created the perfect environment. And he created the perfect being. And he put him on this earth. And he put him in a place where all he had to do was be a stewardship. Take care and just enjoy life. And we don't know how long Adam has been on the earth. I mean, we can speculate, you know. I've heard people say that he was there thousands of years before the sin entered. Then I heard some people say he was there hundreds of years, and then I don't know. The Bible really doesn't state that, but that's not the point. The point is he sinned. He messed up. The perfect man messed up. And that's how you and I became dead people. And that's how this world is dead without Jesus. So the cause of death... The cause of death. Now, I want you to, I want to go to the point where we see that death came into the world, right? So, Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 to 9, and uh, 15 to 17. I'm going to read here, and then if the scriptures are up, if not, I'll just read, and you guys can just follow along. So, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 to 9. And the Lord God formed man, Adam, out of the dust. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree was the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord God took man, Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden. To tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded, this is where the transgression happened. And the Lord God commanded Adam saying, of every tree, Adam, of the garden, you may freely eat. I, I, I just can't imagine that. I mean, I'm a novice garden, not like Joe. But can you imagine the perfect garden? Like the perfect apple trees, pear trees, the perfect orange trees, papayas, pineapples, everything. I'm just, I'm just thinking of like mangoes, the fruits that I love, mango, uh, guavas. I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm imagining in my mind the perfect garden. Think about the perfect garden, what's in your garden. Now multiply it by a million because that's God's garden, right? This place was perfect. And God put man, Adam, to tend it and to watch over it. And he gave him one command. He said, of every tree, Adam, you can eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. Adam's sin is was he disobeyed God. And then we have the fall. And then we could read that in Genesis chapter 3, 
where Eve got tempted by the serpent. You could read that. I'm just going to give you a paraphrase of it so that way we can get a background. Eve got tempted by the servant, and Eve said, well, and then the devil said, that's not going to harm you. You're going to be like God. You're going to know what's good and evil. So go ahead and eat it. And I could just imagine, I don't think Adam was far away from Eve. I think they were both there together, but Eve was having the conversation. And Adam was enticed and went along with it. It's like, oh, the more he hears this, oh, wow, this is what's going to happen. So Eve eats the fruit, gives it to the man. And what happens? Death. Death of all mankind. Physically and spiritually, there was death. Because man, Adam, when God created Adam, he was the perfect human being. He was expected to live forever. And then, because of sin, everything fractured, right? Everything fractured. And you could read the fall in uh, Genesis chapter 3. So let's go over what are trespasses and sin. So we are born sinners in need of a Savior to pay a debt we cannot pay. Right, guys? Because of this, what happened right here? Sin is missing the mark. God is love. God is light. There is no sin in God. There is no darkness in God. God has to judge because he is a holy God. And sometimes we forget that as believers. When we, when we flirt with sin and when we give in to sin, it's like we flirt with it and then eventually it's going to hurt you. So God does not want us to play around with our trespasses and sins. Sin is missing the mark. Adam missed the mark right here. Trespass is willful disobedience. Adam knew well that God did not want him to eat of that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil because he knew the circumstance that was going to happen. He knew the thing that was going to happen as soon as he ate that, it was not going to be good for him. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So guys, before we came to know God, before he saved us, we were walking in darkness in our sinful nature, in our sinful flesh. And there was nothing that we can do until God illuminated and gave us his Holy Spirit in order for us to understand the spiritual things. We were part of this world. We were disobedient towards God. We look in our world of what's happening today. Oh my goodness. And we're looking at it. I mean, people are just hating each other. There's hate left and right. I mean, there's divisions. Not only among races, but among nationality. Amongst... I mean, this world is messed up. And this is what the Bible talks about. These people are walking in the course of this world because the devil controls everything that's happening in this kingdom, in this worldly kingdom. We think, we think, uh, we think you know, there's kingdoms in this earth that are running. You know, there's uh, countries that are running a certain way that they run. We think they are in control, but... In all reality, there's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. The devil manipulates everything that happens for him to take as many people to hell as possible. And that's what's happening with these, and that's what's happening with the world. That's what's happening with people right now. 
Everybody's on their own trying to figure things out. They're not, they're not spiritually awakened by the Holy Spirit, right? Because we know that the devil is in control of everything right now. In Ephesians 2, 3, it says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Thank God that is us no longer. We are saved by grace, and we belong to Jesus. We no longer walk by the world system or how it wants us to walk, ultimately in death and darkness, we walk by the kingdom of God. And how do we know that? How do we know how to walk in light in the kingdom of God? By his word. By his word. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. So even we see that God made us alive, there are still dead people in the world. But, look at this guys. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. He says, everything is darkness, everyone's deceived. And then he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, but God, thank you for that verse. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. This is where we're going to see the mercy and the love of God. But God. It says in Ephesians 2.5, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And not only that, he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Aren't you excited that God had a plan? That even though Adam messed up, this world was... You know, given over to Satan. But God had a plan. He had grace. And just like in Ephesians chapter 1, he planned this before he even created the world because he knew what was going to happen. I mean, how amazing, how loving is God? He had a plan for us to be saved, even though we as people messed up. So what is the biblical meaning of grace, right? We, think, we talk about the word grace and we hear it a lot. Man, grace, you know, show grace, love grace. But what, what, what is the definition of grace? You know, in Western Christian theology, in, in how we, what we believe grace is, being here in the, in the West, uh, grace is the love and mercy given to us by God. Because God desires us to have it. God desires for us to have his grace. Not necessarily because of anything that we have done to earn it, but because it's just there. Because he knows that you are lost and broken. He says, you know what, I made a way and here's the grace for you to come to know me. And so what is mercy? You know, what is grace and mercy? Though often used interchangeably, grace and mercy differ in many ways, right? In the dictionary, grace is defined as courteous goodwill, meaning it's not asked for nor deserved, but it's freely given. Mercy, on the other hand, is the compassion and kindness shown to someone whom it is in one's power to punish or harm. 
So if somebody did you wrong and you found out and, you know, you could have them put in jail, you have the opportunity to show mercy, right? Out of that mercy comes grace. So listen to this. When I'm going to give you a little illustration of what grace is. And everybody know who's Bill, who Billy Graham is, right? So when Billy Graham was driving through a small southern town, this is when he was going to town to town to town to preach the gospel of Jesus. When Billy Graham was driving through a small southern town, he was stopped by a policeman and charged with speeding. Not Billy, no way. Graham admitted his guilt, but was told by the police officer that he would have to appear in court. He didn't care who Billy Graham was. He knew that Billy Graham had broken the law. The judge asked Billy Graham, are you guilty or not guilty? When Graham pleaded guilty, the judge replied, that'll be $10, a dollar for every mile you went over, Billy. Suddenly, the judge recognized the famous minister. He goes, man, that's Billy Graham. Holy moly, I'm a judge, and I'm judging Billy Graham. He told him, you have violated the law, Billy. He said, the fine must be paid, but I'm going to pay it for you. He took, he took a $10 bill from his own wallet, attached it to the ticket, and then took Graham out and bought him a steak dinner. That, said Billy Graham, is how God treats repentant sinners. And that's how God looks at you and I. It's like, man, there's a debt we can't pay, and God paid it for us. What the Bible says about grace and mercy, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace, God's grace, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, But he gives more grace. God the Father gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right? We're humble enough to realize, man, we messed up. And you don't feel worthy to come before God? God says, come before me. Come. Bring your dirty laundry to me, because it's already paid. Throw it in my grace of ocean. And when we realize how much available God's grace is to us, are we going to want to do the things that hurt him? No. We're not going to want to hurt God over and over again. I mean, there, there's a, a maturity process that you go through. You know, as a baby Christian, you're learning, oh man, I shouldn't be able, I shouldn't do that because that hurts myself, it hurts others, and it hurts God. So you're just growing. And eventually those sins, those uh, strongholds in our life, they eventually become squashed down because you've matured and those sins that easily ensnared you in the past you matured right do we mature i hope we mature as believers so god said when you feel like that you come before me you bring it to me because my mercy god has mercy on this whole world when you woke up this morning the saints and the ain'ts we god showed us mercy because we're alive God shows us mercy but because we're alive. But for those of us who experience his grace, we've come into his grace, right? And with his grace comes salvation because we realize that we've been saved. And Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit did all that. That's where the grace is. But there's so many people in this world that experience God's mercy because they're alive and they're breathing and they're out and about. But they haven't come to the grace of God, which is available 
because they're so caught up because the deception is going on right now that if you just live after this world live 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 just go get it do what you got to do get your house get your cars live save for retirement we're so deceived and so and i'm including myself we're so deceived in our everyday life that we forget man god's kingdom is bigger than the kingdom i'm trying to build and that's what's happening in this in this world there are people in this world that are blinded because they're trying to build up things that are good that we look at that are good it's good for you to have a house and good for you to you know take care of your family but when you put all that above of god of what god wants to do in your life you're not experiencing his grace his ultimate gift for you So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, but God, who's rich in mercy, we kind of identify what mercy is and his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. Verse 6, it says, and he raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And really think about this, this verse right here. Really think about this verse. He raised us up together. We're not raised. We're not in heaven, right? Look at it with me. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places. We're not in heaven. We're not experiencing the heaven's kingdom, the experiencing what Jesus is experiencing right now in the kingdom of God because we're here on this earth. But keep reading. It says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places. Here's the key. In Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus this morning? You should be. If you've given and you've given yourself to God, he saved you through his grace. You are in Christ. Regardless of all the difficult things you have here in life, you are in Christ, seated with Jesus in the heavenly places. We don't understand that because we're not physically up there with him. But... It says right here in scriptures that he, we are in Christ. We are seated. Everything that's given to Jesus is given to us. We just haven't experienced it yet because we are here on this earth. But it's already ours. And sometimes we forget that. It's like you get, you have a, somebody comes over to you and writes a million dollar check. And you're in debt for like $100,000. And he gives it to you. He says, this is for you. I paid all your debt. Plus, I paid enough for you to enjoy the rest of your life. Here's the check. And you take the check. You look at it. You just put it in your pocket. And it's just there. You could be out of debt. You could have your kids in school. All the difficult things of life financially. It's there for you. And you have it in your pocket. And yet, you're not going to do anything about it. Because we haven't appropriate that. We haven't taken the action. And I'm sad to say that we as believers, including myself, we find ourselves in that place when we realize, man, is this all life has to offer for me? Is the difficult time coming to church and there's nobody here and blah, 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 blah. And yet God says, dude. It's all yours already. (laughs) The kingdom is yours and I 
And we don't appropriate that because we're so caught up in our little world of paying bills, which we got to pay bill, we got to work, we got to do all these things, but we're so caught up. The things of earth that we're forgetting heaven. We're forgetting that this is just a place where we're just going through. We're just going through. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Sometimes, I mean, I've heard that scripture, and I've heard it quoted, and I see it on, you know, you know, somebody will text me that. You see it. You know, if you're on Facebook, they'll throw that verse up there. But do we really understand what that means, guys? Do we really understand God's grace? And do we really understand the price that was paid for you and I to have God's grace? When we realize the price that was paid, his only begotten son, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever... Whoever is hearing this message, if you're out there listening on podcasts or you're seeing this on Facebook, it says whoever, not those who look good. It says whoever, come to me. When we realize and experience God's grace, we really understand And it changes us, right? It changes us. It becomes, it makes us become different people. I mean, think of your own life before you came to God and how you behaved and how you acted, how you treated people. I was not a very nice person before I came to the Lord. You know, if we were out and about and you looked at me a certain way, I'd be like, what you looking at, man? You know, you got a problem? And now I just look at people like, how you doing? How's life going for you? You know, you doing all right? I'm looking at it like, man, God, you could have this person in your kingdom if they only knew your grace. So for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. It's God's gift for us. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So you get saved, you come to God, and now I'm I'm speaking for myself because when I got saved, I came to God, and I'm like, bam, running. It's like, man, I got to run and do all these things for God. You're just running, you're running because you're... You're just so excited. You get caught up into your excitement. You're saved. And then you're just going, 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 going. And then your works becomes the motivation of your love for God. It's like, God, I love you, but I'm going to work for you. I'm going to keep working because I feel special when I work for you. And God says, you're already special. I saved you. You're my kid. I paid the price. You're working because you love me. You're working not to please me, right? Don't we ever feel like that? 
Sometimes I have like, I got to work because, man, I got to please God. I want to go into his heaven. And yet God says, it's already yours. And our motivation for us loving and serving is for nothing else but our love for God. That should be our motivation. I mean, we're, we're a small body, but that should be our motivation, guys. My motivation to play the bass or to play up here or to do this, or it's not to please you. It's not to make myself look good because I know I stutter. My English don't come out properly sometimes. I'm over all that. I'm 50 years old. I have nothing to prove to nobody. You have nothing to prove to nobody. Because he's already proven it to you. Right? I have nothing to prove to nobody. And sometimes we want to prove ourselves to people. Man, I want that guy to like me, so I'm going to do this and that and that. I'm going to, you know, uh, it's like there's nothing to prove. God says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Is our yoke easy and our burden light? Or are we carrying heavy baggage that we're trying to prove to people to accept them and that they can accept Except us. God says, forget all that. Ultimate love. Ultimate love, God's already done it for us. We work because we love God. Right? And check this out. Ephesians 2.10. We're going to about close here. For we get this, guys. I want you to really get this. Because this is so exciting. That you and I have the opportunity to give something back to God, our Father, who loved us so much. Get this, guys. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Listen. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Guys. That's our gift to the Father. It's our good works. Because I love God, I want to serve where I'm, where I'm needed. I want to be kind, compassionate. I want to fulfill what the Holy Spirit has for me. The gift of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want to walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He's got a specific work for you and I to do. And he does. He's got a work for Talia. She's up here leading worship. He's got to work for Joe. He's always over here cleaning something, doing that, doing this, showing love to his wife, being kind out and about, right? That's your work. It may not be a Billy Graham work or a work that we can see, that everybody sees. There's a work for each one of us to do, Christian. If you call yourself a Christian, I'm calling you to come to work. Not because, not because you, you know, I'm motivating you, you got to come to work. Not because of that, but because that's our gift back to God the Father, is our good works. So check this out. I was, I was kind of digging into that. 
So how do you describe workmanship? Check this out. The noun workmanship can de describe the hard work and skill that go into making something, right? Or doing the task. Another definition of workmanship is the art or skill with which something is made or executed. Workmanship is also the degree of art or skill exhibited in the finished product. So what is another word for workmanship? What about art, art, artistry, handiwork, execution, skill, manufactured something, craft, craftsmanship, artisanship, handicraft, artwork, example. What about, you're an artist, right? Some of us are artists. What about musicians? What about producer of a movie that you like? That was a work. Somebody went through the effort, time, effort to put that together, right? That's a work that somebody did that you and I are like, man, that is good work. What about a gardener? If you go to and you look at a beautiful garden, there was a gardener who put in time and effort and energy to put that garden together. You're experiencing, you're looking at it. Man, that is a beautiful garden. That is good work. A chef. Have you ever had, like, I, I sometimes look at those chef shows or you see, man, that is, that's beautiful food. And it, it tastes even better. That's good work. Like my wife makes awesome spaghetti. That's good work. It's good eating. What about a fashion designer? Some of us are into fashions. You know, a certain, you got to have a first certain thing. You look at people in fashion and you admire it. It's like, man, that's good work. And I want to bring the point what does the Bible say about good works, guys? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, just as it, what we read, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. These are works done not in our own strength, right? Because we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, we've been gifted. It's not done by our own strength, but for our own benefits. It's not done in our own strength and for our benefit, but the grace of God and in obedience to him. That is the key to good works. Our obedience to God because he loved us so much. He gave us Jesus. He saved us. Not only that, he prepared good works. What's your gift to God? Your good works. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. What is your gift to God, your good works that he prepared that nobody else can do but you? But you guys, if you just come to know God, if you just got saved, there's works for you, right? There's works for you that God has prepared for you to accomplish. And sometimes we neglect our good works. I feel like that. I'm like, man, God, I could be doing so much more for you. Ephesians 2.10 tells us why. God prepared, for, God prepared our good works beforehand so that we would walk in them. And every good work that we have done has been prepared by God. 
Every good thing that we're ever going to do that's going to last for the kingdom has been prepared. All true good works are God-planned, God-empowered, God-superintended. He planned it all and willed that we will do them. We've looked. There's many dead people in this world. God comes in. He makes people, dead people alive. Not only that, he's given us everything that we need. Not only that, his kingdom is our kingdom. We may not see it with the difficulties of this life in this world, but it's ours and it's there. Not only that, he gave each and every one a good work to do. And guess what? You want to gift God back? Your good works are a gift to him because he loved us. We're going to show our love towards him with our good works. Let your motivation for good works be the love for the Father, nothing else, because everything else pales and fails. God's love never fails. Amen? As the worship slowly makes their way up here, Talia, you don't have to rush. You broke your ankle, so. I just want to encourage you guys, brothers and sisters. It's ours. Sometimes we don't know it, but it is. The kingdom, Jesus, everything you have to live for this life, every answer, every no answer, every wait, it's already happened. You just have to trust and follow after God, right? Trust and follow him. I encourage you this week, trust and follow after God. Let me pray and we'll close this out with a song. Dear God, I am so just uh, in awe of how much you love us, God. You are so good. God, we were dead people walking, but yet your scripture God tells us the way to come to salvation. Thank you, God, for the gift of grace that was paid by your son, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. God, you tell us that when we come and are part of your kingdom, you've sealed us with the Holy Spirit, God. God, thank you that in Ephesians we learned that you prepared and planned the church, that Jesus paid for the church, and the Holy Spirit protects and builds the church. I'm just so in awe of your amazing love. I pray for all our needs, God, this week. I pray, God, for Alex, his brother. Lord, whatever he's experiencing, God, physical ailments, we give it over to you, Father. We put trust in you that you're going to heal him and restore his body to him, Lord. But more than that, you would restore Alex's brother to you, God. that he would open that gift of grace. 
And God, I pray for all of our needs, everything that we're experiencing this week. May we just lay them down at the feet of Jesus. And we simply say thank you. We're grateful. And we love you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.